Did you hear about the supernatural event that happened last weekend? In thousands of locations all around the globe, there were miracles that occurred again and again in front of witnesses. If you don't know what I'm talking about, stay with me. I'll tell you what happened coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Well, we made it to Friday. Congratulations. <laughs> Another week down, right? Well, so these miracles that happened all over the world. Do you know what I'm talking about here? It started late Saturday, continued through Sunday. Hopefully, you witnessed one of these miracles yourself. I'm talking about the miraculous change that takes place at the Mass when the ordinary, the basic substances of bread and wine become the real, actual body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Now, you might be saying, come on, Josh, I thought you meant a real miracle. You know, someone being healed from a serious illness or someone who, they were in a wheelchair and now they're able to walk again. But I am being completely serious. Every day throughout the year, well, with the exception of Good Friday, but outside of that where we receive the Eucharist that's transubstantiated on the day before on Holy Thursday, every other day you can go to Mass and you can witness a miracle. might be subtle, but it's profound, that miracle that is taking place there. It happens right in front of you as you kneel. You're facing the altar where the priest prays those words of Jesus over bread and wine that become the body and blood of Jesus. This is one of those key points of our faith, uh, what I kind of call a make it or break it. You know, it makes it completely true or it makes it absolutely false. If the bread and wine do not transform into the body and blood of Jesus, then as St. Paul puts it, he's talking about the resurrection, but we can apply it here too. We should be pitied above all other people for our pointless belief. But if the Eucharist is indeed the real presence of Jesus, then we not only witness that miracle happen at each Mass, we also partake in that miracle when we receive communion. But then when we see something occur again and again, even though we know intellectually, you know, this is something extraordinary happening here. But when it becomes routine, can the miraculous just become not so miraculous? It becomes ordinary. And then do you and I start taking it for granted? But miracles do happen. They're not something that only took place in the time of Jesus and the apostles. Today at Mass, if you've already been, you've heard it, but if you're going to attend later, you'll hear it at the time you attend the Gospel reading from Mass today. It's from the second chapter of St. Mark's Gospel, and it tells the story of a man who is paralyzed. His friends carry him to where Jesus is, and because of the crowds in the house where Jesus, where he is, they climb up on top of the house and they lower their paralyzed friend down in the midst so that he can be in front of Jesus, and then Jesus healed him. And I think it's pretty natural for all of us to focus primarily on physical healings when we pray for miracles. You know, if we're hurting or we're sick, or if it's someone we love going through that sickness or that physical pain, we want to comfort them. We want the suffering to be gone. We want them to be restored to full health. But in this passage from the gospel, along with the physical healing, we read about this paralyzed man 
we see this spiritual healing that takes place as well. There are actually two different miracles that happen here, but because one is subtle, it might be less noticed. But that less noticed miracle is even more important. Well, today here on The Inner Life, we want to talk about miracles. What really is happening when we experience a miracle? When should we seek a miracle? When should we be praying for a miracle? And why does God work miracles in our lives? Well, joining us for our conversation today, Father Joseph Ilo is back as our spiritual director. Father Ilo is a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. Father Ilo, welcome back to The Inner Life. Glad to have you back here with us. Thank you, Josh, for having me back. Well, so um, Nick was telling me before we went on the air, you had mentioned, uh, and before we maybe get into looking at our topic for today, you've got a special event that's going to be coming up here rather quickly. Ah, that's a miracle in itself. It's the Walk for Life West Coast, in which forty or 50,000 people come to peacefully walk down Market Street in San Francisco to witness to the miracle of human life that God gives us in every child and throughout our lives until natural death. So I welcome all of you to the Walk for Life West Coast. It's the largest uh, Walk for Life after the granddaddy of the mall in Washington, D.C. And it will be on the 20, let's see, the Saturday will be the uh, 21st with uh, 930 Mass in the cathedral with Archbishop Cordelione and then 12 o'clock rally at City Hall in San Francisco, and then the walk. Okay, so it starts at the cathedral then? <clears throat> well, the actual rally is 12 noon at the—that's uh, the actual event. Okay. There are lots of prolific events around it, but there is a 930 Mass at the cathedral with the Archbishop. Okay, very it's good. It's actually the largest attended Mass uh, in the year for the cathedral. Oh, beautiful. Um, is it something where anybody needs to register ahead online or just show up? Just show up. It's kind of like World Youth Day. There's so many young people and families, and it's it's a bit chaotic, but it's, there's lots of energy and lots of joy. I've been speculating with a few different people I've been talking with about the different March for Life events, and there are lots of them happening locally in different states, especially state capitals, you know, um, going on at Capitol buildings out in front. With this being the first year since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, do you expect to see an even stronger uh, regional presence instead of the National March for Life having such a focus, since that that now really has gone back to state rights, the question of abortion being legal? I think that might be true, especially here in California, because as you know, maybe don't know, but we passed, uh, not me, but... uh, the electorate passed by two to three a resolution to change the state constitution guaranteeing uh, abortion, legal abortion. So it's um, in California, it's a, it's a more burning issue than it was before. Right. Uh, in other states, not so much. I mean, there are many states that are protecting a child's right to live, but um, I think in some states where it's even more of a burning issue, there will be greater numbers yeah. at these Walk for Life. Yeah. 
Well, and, you know, if you're listening and you'd like to attend one of those rallies, look it up in your own state um, if, if you're unable to go. Uh, next week, we're actually going to be encouraging you to participate just virtually. Um, every year, we encourage listeners to participate in a fast for life. You can fast, you can pray, you can offer your own uh, sufferings, the ways that you uh, have those little mortifications in your own life in union with people who are able to be out at those different marches, those different rallies. And so, again, we'll, we'll talk more about that next week, ways that you can participate in that. Uh, Father Ilo, let's turn and look at our topic for today, looking at miracles. And uh, I mentioned the gospel reading today. That's from St. Mark's Gospel. And there's a lot that we could unpack from what happens here, the paralyzed man who is healed. But before we get into anything that I might have to ask you. Is there anything that initially stands out to you in this gospel reading? As you say, there's a lot to it, but really it boils down to two things, two miracles, as you mentioned. The first miracle is the forgiveness of sins. And the second miracle is the healing of the man and his paralysis. But the first miracle, the less regarded miracle, we could miss it is the only one that really matters because all of us have physical ailments and we're all going to, going to die anyway. But what happened in the first miracle was this man's uh, entrance into eternity, his, uh, his, the possibility of him living forever in perfect joy. And to get there, he had to have faith. The faith that God gives us is a grace. It's a miracle in itself. And he acted on that. He, And by the way, he was carried by four of his friends. So it, it was a team effort. He couldn't do it himself. He needed help. But he asked for help from his friends, apparently. And his his attitude was the miracle. His attitude of gratitude I am thankful to my friends for bringing me here. I'm thankful for you, Jesus, and I'm repentant of my sins. And and he was healed of that. And, and in the end, that's all that really we need is to be reconciled to God and to our brothers and sisters. We can survive any physical problem, death itself, if we are reconciled to God. Mm. You know, as you're talking about this, it, there, there's Jesus— taking care of that first. And I think that that's also something that really stands out to me. It's not that I, you know, his friends, he and his friends actually might have been there saying, okay, uh, is that it? You know, maybe a little bit of disappointment starting to set Mm -hmm. in initially, you know, I'm still paralyzed. I'm still here, Jesus. But it's such a good reminder for us, you know, we can get so caught up in the physical aspect of hoping for a miracle that we can push that spiritual need to the side. But Jesus, he knows what the true priority is there. You know, let's take care of the most important part. Heal your soul before I heal your body. No, that's a very important detail that you point out. There's this pause where Jesus says your sins are forgiven, and then there's this kind of Presumably there's a silence in the room and the Pharisees are thinking, ah, and Jesus then responds to the Pharisees that you, that you may know that he has authority to forgive sins. And then he does the healing. But there's, you know, maybe a two or three minute pause there where the man's belief is tested. 
And, and so that happens with us. We, we go to confession, we go to mass, we say our prayers, and bad things happen to us. And we are not healed. And our marriages have the same problems and the same problems at work. And we think, what's the good of prayer? It's not delivering anything practical in my life. And that's that gap there, that pause, where Jesus says, do you believe in the God of miracles or just in the miracles of God? Do you believe in me, even if I don't give you everything you think you want? And that's the greater miracle, to surrender to God in all things. Mm. I also think it's quite interesting when we read Mark's account that Jesus, it's, Mark writes, he, he saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith, plural. Mm-hmm. Then he forgave the man, and then there was the physical healing. It wasn't just the singular faith of the individual paralyzed man, but the collective faith of the group that had brought him. And that's really stood out to me in the past, too. What what can we learn from this about the importance of praying for a miracle, not solely on our own? Of course, we can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But the power that comes when we pray for a miracle as a group or in community. Right. We are not saved individually, but in community. Jesus himself chose 12 disciples, not all of whom were perfect, we know, but they supported each other. Even when they were arguing with each other and, and our Lord had to correct them, in the, in the end, it was a college of disciples, of apostles, and the church is a community. So we, if we're just praying in isolation, we should go beyond that for, for healing, for any, any, anything we're asking. We should ask others to help us pray for that. So a lot of time I get texts, pray for this or that, and it's a good thing. Sometimes a priest can get a lot of texts in that way, <laughs> but, um, the the impulse is good to reach out to other believers for help to to call upon our guardian angel and the and the angels to pray and help us uh flourish in this life and flourish in the next to to call upon the intercession of the saints so the whole church the three parts of the church you know the church suffering in purgatory church triumphant in heaven the church militant here on earth all of us join our prayers as uh, St. John portrayed in the book of Revelation, the prayers of all the holy ones arose like a great cloud of incense. All of us have a little part to play in that great cloud of witnesses, in that, that, that cloud of prayer. So practically, we should ask others to pray for us and with us as we pray for and with them. Uh, one of the other things that comes to mind as you're saying this, too, is ask others to pray for us, there's also the ability to talk to your own parish priest if you might be at a point where it's appropriate, it's, uh, it's the right time for you to receive the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Yes, the sacrament, one of the seven sacraments that is somewhat neglected, in one sense it's neglected because I was sick, I was sick over Christmas, and I wasn't 
we, we the the school had the flu and I, I caught it from the kids at the school pageant and so it was during christmas masses i was i was feeling pretty lousy and it wasn't a matter of anointing of the sick but one of the parishioners said father did you ask people to pray for you i thought well no i'm a tough guy i'll just tough this out and that person made me realize that we need to ask others and then if it's a serious situation to ask for the anointing of the sick i have two uh, miracles in my own life as a priest uh one in 1994 one in 1999 where i anointed two different people with cancer and they were healed they the, the cancer inexplicably left them and you know, the, the, the doctors at Stanford Medical Center couldn't understand. There was no explanation for the second one, I remember. So it was because these people asked their priests for the anointing, hope beyond all hope. One was a, The first one was a young lady, uh, about 18 years old. I later did her wedding. And it was a, it was a tragic, she was, it was terminal, it was a fast-moving cancer. I remember I, I did the anointing and didn't think much more about it. I, I prayed for the girl, but about a week later, her father comes into the parish office and says, Father, how can I thank you? I said, for what? How can I ever repay? And I, I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, my daughter is, there's, there's no cancer in her. And, and it, it went on, you know, we we um, kind of reserved judgment for another year, but but it never came back. And the, and, the, and the second one, there was a woman with four young children, uh, abdominal or intestinal cancer. So that was, those two instances are little uh, signs, you know, wonders that the Lord provides in my life as a priest and in, in the lives of others to help us believe that there is something beyond the physical, that beyond empirical science, there is a God, a loving Father who provides for us. And even though we suffer, He, these little miracles help us to believe that in the long run, in the big picture, He has prepared a place for us in heaven mm. and to help us hang on through our sufferings. Talking with Father Joseph Ilo today here on The Inner Life. He is the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish in San Francisco and talking about miracles, the reality of miracles and how God works in our lives, how he provides for us. When have you experienced that miracle in your life? What happened? How did it help to draw you into a deeper relationship with God? How did it help you to maybe grow in gratitude and appreciation for all the blessings that you have received from God in your life? It maybe kind of helped so you could, just like Father Isla was saying, you can understand there really is something beyond what we can see or hear, the things that we can observe with our senses. How has God made himself real to you in those miracles you've experienced in your life? Maybe you have a question about God and working miracles. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Ilo, 888-914-9149, Father, when we come back from the break, let's talk about, you know, how we how we can understand what a miracle really is. And, mm-hmm. you know, if if there's... Is it just is it just happens you know just this 
nice coincidence <laughs> that has occurred here, or is there something truly supernatural that has taken place? Now, let's talk about that in just a moment here. Again, you're listening to The Inner Life. We'll be back in just a moment on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and thanks for being a part of the program We're talking about miracles today here on The Inner Life, and maybe you've experienced that miracle in your life. How did God work in your life, and how did that miracle help to draw you closer to God, help to strengthen your faith? Uh, Maybe you saw the miracle in somebody else's life, somebody you love, and how did that transform their life and make God's presence true and real for them? Maybe you have a question about miracles, how God works in our lives. The phone number to call in and speak with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo. The number is 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. But again, that phone number, 888-914-9149. Father, right before the break, you were talking about some miracles you've experienced, you've witnessed in your life personally. And... I could share some of mine as well. I have in in past uh, shows. But one of those things that I think is easy for us to question, you know, we look and say, well, is that a miracle or is Mm. it just coincidence? So, and maybe even before that, let's, let's maybe even just table that for just a second here. How do we actually define what a miracle is? You know, that, that might be a good place to, to kind of start this segment. What is really happening when a miracle occurs? You know, what, why wouldn't we just call it a coincidence or opportune circumstances? Well, I looked up in Webster's to begin with. So their definition, a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and therefore consider the work of God. I think um, surprising is maybe a weak word there, Um, uh, an extraordinary phenomenon that cannot be explained by the natural scientific laws. Now, a person could say, well, uh, we just don't know everything about science, about the uh, natural world, and so people in the past would attribute what we now know are simple scientific phenomena as miracles of God, an eclipse, for example. But what I would add is that a miracle always leads to greater faith, hope, and love. The purpose of the miracle is not to surprise us or even to help us Uh, flourish in this life through physical healings or other beneficial beneficial acts of God, but to help us believe that there is a God to begin with, because all of us struggle with our faith every day. 
we say we believe and we try to believe and we pray for belief, we ask for faith, but our faith is tested through the difficulties of life. And so if it's a true miracle, it, it has a greater purpose. And you will, you will see evidence of that greater purpose in the recipient of the miracle. That is, a, a person will have greater faith and peace and joy and hope and express that through charity towards others. The greatest miracle of all after the Bible, after the resurrection of Jesus, I would say, in some ways, is the miracle at Fatima in 19, October 13, 1917, in Portugal, because it was seen by 70,000 people, the, the miracle of the sun, this extraordinary physical phenomenon. And what did it result in? Well, people that had come from the secular newspapers, Marxists, socialists, atheists, were converted when they saw this happen. And so it wasn't just a, an extraordinary um, atmospheric event, but it was something that led people to trust in God, trust that there is a, a benevolent Father that who provides for every created being and also requires repentance. I mean, the, the fact that the sun turned red and came towards all the people as if to annihilate them, woke them up to know that we are, we have all sinned and departed from the laws of God and we ask for his forgiveness. So that's, what defines a miracle in the Christian sense is that it leads, it's a, it's a sign of something greater and leads to greater faith, hope, and love in the, the witness of the miracle. Yeah. One book I might recommend, too, is it's simply called Our Lady of Fatima. It's by William Thomas Walsh, and he ended up doing a lot of interviews with people who, who were living, who had witnessed that miracle, who had witnessed, you know, saw the children themselves, the three children there in Portugal. And so there's a lot of firsthand accounts that are related there. But it talks about at the end of that book, in the last portion of that book, talks about that miracle that was witnessed by so many thousands of people um, as it took place, and the sun dancing in the sky there. So, uh, again, great read if, if you would like to learn more about that miracle. Our Lady of Fatima, William Thomas Walsh. Uh, you know, one of the things that I guess I, I, I would also ask you, Father, is, and maybe go back to what I said at the opening of the hour, that when we attend Mass, we're, we're experiencing this miracle, and that is the transubstantiation of the bread and the wine into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he talks about the necessity of receiving his body and blood, this is in St. John's Gospel, the sixth chapter, it's Jesus' discourse on the Eucharist. And when he talks about this, it's the, the very next day after he has just fed the 5,000 people, and it's more than 5,000, it's 5,000 men plus women and children. And he does this starting with only a few loaves of bread, a few fish. And it's these same people that were there for that miracle. They follow him the very next day. They, they then ask for another miracle. The miracle that Jesus performed less than 24 hours earlier 
it wasn't enough. They want another sign. They want another miracle. Well, yeah, but if you do one more, that'll prove that you're the Messiah. And it makes me wonder, how often do we see something, how often do I see something miraculous in my life, but I'm so focused on wanting something else? You know, my, my I've got kind of tunnel vision that I, I ignore the work that has that God's already done for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And they wanted another miracle. They also wanted more bread. Right. Jesus said, you believe in me, not because of me, but because you want more bread. And so that's our lack of faith that we're continually working on. Jesus, I believe in you, but or Augustine, for example, said, grant me chastity, but not yet. That is, I still have my creature needs. I, I need to be fed and entertained. And so, um, one miracle, even no miracle, is enough for us. That is, uh, Jesus said to Thomas, who, who, who re- he says, I have to see the miracle. I have to touch the miracle of a man resurrected from the dead who's been crucified. And our Lord says, blessed are they who have not seen and believed. So we can believe without even one miracle. And what happens in the Mass, we don't see it. We don't taste it. It tastes, it looks like bread, the Eucharist. It's the hidden, it's a miracle, but it's not a miracle in the empirical sense that we can set, we can perceive it. But one thing we do see is the effect of the miracle. So the unity of a community that receives Holy Communion together, the charity, they will know we are Christians by our love. In my own parish, we have a group that goes to daily mass, and then they, they feed the poor every Sunday afternoon in San Francisco's Tenderloin, two or 300 sandwiches they make and, and clothing. And uh, they, they've been doing it for three years in rain and, and, and rain and shine. And there's so much charity. Now they have problems. Sometimes they have arguments and it's just like the disciples, but that's the effect of the Eucharist, the visible uh, effects of something that's invisible. So yes, the the Eucharist is the most vital miracle that happens every day in our midst, and and we should ask for greater faith in the Eucharist to believe in what is actually happening. Let's talk about that. You've mentioned several times now, you know that if we believe, if we have faith, there's this point where Jesus, he goes back to Nazareth, and in the Gospel accounts, we read that he's not able to do other, any miracles other than basically heal a few sick people. And mm-hmm. it says that it's basically because of the lack of the faith of the people there. Um, you know, Jesus, he makes he makes the comment, you know, no prophet is welcome in his own home. Um, so there's other things that, you know, again, we can draw from this. But at the very end of that, it says Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. How do we close God off from working in our lives? How do we stall God's desire to work miracles that might be able to happen just simply because we don't have that faith? The way to grow our faith is to ask for it, and that's called prayer. So even when we don't feel like it, 
we should pray. There are saints that have gone through years, decades of darkness, of not feeling the presence of God, but they continued to pray. And that prayer kept their faith steady. So Sunday Mass, the Rosary, reading the Bible, all of these ways of praying, praying the Angelus, uh, praying uh, prayer to St. Michael, all these, the, the treasury of prayers of the Church that, would, that we've inherited, in a sense, from the Jewish people, is the way that we keep our faith alive. And it's just work. Prayer is work. We have to put in the time and the energy to, to be faithful to that prayer, to kneel on our weary knees and pray. But a second thing is to have a, 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 a positive attitude. That is to be grateful. Because here's our Lord saying, I'm offering you eternal life. I'm offering you happiness in this life and perfect happiness in the next. And you're not interested. It, it makes me think, you know, it's been raining here in California for about two weeks. And the, so many people are complaining about the rain. I'm like, we've been praying for this rain for right. years. We've been praying for snow in the mountains. Our reservoirs are full now. Why are we complaining? And so if you don't believe, and I, I got to you know, say this is part of the problem with the secular news media. Everything's a problem. Everything's a crisis. And the fact is, everything's good. You know, today's St. Hillary's Day. We should all be hilarious, hilariously happy, because everything that God gives us or permits is for our good. And that's the faith, that's the faith that brings about miracles in our life. We are experiencing a miracle in California, that we don't deserve the end to this drought we've been going through for the last couple of years. But now it's been given to us. And we're complaining about it. Right, yeah. It's like the Israelites that are, uh, you know, they've just been freed from slavery. And, oh, we're free now. But you know what? It would have been better for us to stay back in Egypt than be out here where we have to trust that God's going to care for us. Yeah. And and God throws up his hands and he says, what can I do with these people? Uh Whatever I give them, they're not happy. So I, I can't do any miracles. Talking with Father Joseph Ilo here today on The Inner Life. Again, our phone number, 888-914-9149, as we're talking about the miracles that God works in our lives. If you would like to join the program, 888-914-9149. Father, Kathleen is calling in, listening in Texas. Hi, Kathleen. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Ilo. Yes, hi, Father Ilo, and hi. Um, I just was thinking of a story in my life where 25 years ago, my little son, who's um, has, was born with cerebral palsy, was in a wheelchair, and we had an opportunity. We were given a trip to go to Lourdes and by the Knights of Malta, and um, our community got together and prayed and prayed for his healing. And I didn't know if that was the right thing to pray for. And the priest, Opus Dei priest, told us, pray for your heart's desire, pray for everything, always accepting God's will. And we had an amazing trip. Um, it was just, you know, cardinals and bishops, and it was amazing. And he didn't have a physical healing, but now he, I see him as a young father with four little girls, and he's in a wheelchair, but he is strong in his faith. And I can countless stories of people coming up when he was a little boy saying, wow, you know, here he is at the YMCA struggling to exercise. He gives me so much hope. I, he's increased my faith. 
So I think it's important. I always worry when people pray for this miracle and they don't get it and then they lose their faith or they never know. And I know you guys know, never know what God's meaning for is in that miracle. And as fathers, you just said, what's the effect of the miracle? And I think about my son lifts me up all the time because it's so hard for him to do everything. Um, But yet he has such joy and trust in God. And I believe that, you know, when he went through those the waters in um, in uh, Lourdes, and he was pushed through the the, um, the uh, grotto by a cardinal. He learned his faith. His name is Gabriel Michael, and he is a witness, even though he didn't receive the physical. Um, so you never know what God's plan is, um, and the miracles come in different forms. That's great, Kathleen, and God be praised for uh, Gabriel that he's a witness to. God's beneficence, not in the way that we think we want, but the but the miracle, the only real miracle is belief that we trust in an all-provident Father. If if that miracle happens in us and it needs to happen every day, then we're good to go. We have we're happy in this life, as you say. Gabriel is is joyful and energetic, and he shows others how to deal with uh, physical limitations he's just a he's a he's a shining light he's a star and that's the miracle so i I would also say that i i mean i've anointed thousands of people over 32 years in the priesthood and only two of them received physical healings but every one of them received forgiveness of their sins and and many many of them uh, receive the gift of greater faith and accepting their difficulties. Mm. Kathleen, so glad you called in and shared your experience uh, with your son, and it's just such an encouragement. Um, thank you for making that phone call. Again, the phone number, if you would like to call in and share how God has worked in your life, maybe through a miracle or maybe through the absence of that miracle that you were praying for, but you saw God work in a different way, just like Kathleen was talking about. Our phone number here into the studio, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or you can email innerlife at relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond talking today with Father Joseph Ilo. He is a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, the pastor at Star of the Sea Parish there in San Francisco. And again, uh, Father, wanted to mention really quick, you have the March for Life. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the official name of it? Walk for Life West Coast. Okay, very good. Walk for Life West Coast. And you said there's uh, that's going to be Saturday the 21st, is that correct? Correct. A week from tomorrow, 9.30 Mass in the Cathedral in San Francisco, and then 12 noon rally and walk at City Hall. Perfect. And as you said before, no need to register or sign up anywhere. Just show up and be a part of it. Help uh, support and be a voice for those who have no voice, the unborn, support life. 
again, talking with Father Ilo today here about miracles, and want to throw out the phone number again, 888-914-9149, Father, that call from Kathleen, uh, I'm so glad that she called in to share that story, and I loved how you said, you know, the miracle is not the miracle that they were seeking or praying for at first, it was the fact that this miracle is now in their midst, their son Gabriel, and the encouragement, the inspiration uh, that he brings to so many that he encounters, including Kathleen herself. You know, she was just saying in her own life, she sees how he approaches so much with joy. But she mentioned going to Lourdes in France, and I thought it might be a good opportunity for us to talk about, you know, there's different places that specifically are associated with miracles. And I don't know if there's necessarily an answer for this, but I'd be curious as to your thoughts. Why does God seem to favor certain physical geographic locations and allow miracles to happen maybe more regularly there than we see in any other ordinary place? The answer, I suppose, goes back to the Old Testament, where God selected certain spots as holy. For example, Mount Sinai was the holy mountain. It was from there. And then, of course, Jerusalem was the site of the temple, and and the Old Testament says, this is my dwelling place. Then, in the New Testament, the Lord, our Father, sent his own Son to a specific place and a specific time, and he gave him a specific name and a specific body and a mother and an earthly father. So, in a sense, God meets us where we are in our physicality, our locality, and he sanctifies the temporal order. He He sanctifies all of his creation. Our bodies are sacred, but they're made even more sacred by the sacraments of baptism, etc. So we think of the Holy Land itself is the most important, the, the holiest land on the planet, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, etc., Nazareth. And if you've never made a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, something you should do before you die, to stand in the Basilica of the Annunciation there in Nazareth, where the Word became flesh, and there's a there's a sign at Verbum Cairo Factum Est. I've been at five five different times to the Holy Land, and we're going again in April. But to offer Mass there, where that spot where Our Lady lived and the Word became flesh. Now, our Lord sends His Mother often, and and others as well. Um, St. Michael, for example, there's a shrine of His in uh, southern Italy outside of Naples. There's different shrines of the saints but especially he sends his mother to sanctify certain places, Lord's being one of the most important. And he says, come to this place, your faith will grow. And if necessary, I will provide a physical miracle for you. It's, it's, a, it's a great thing to go to Lord's and see all of those uh, walking sticks and, and um the, the the things that people needed before they were healed, uh, hanging up on the grotto there that they no longer need, evidence of God's merciful love towards us. 
But the most important thing about Lourdes is the faith. It's not the it's not the healing again, as Kathleen said. That now I, I will say that I've um I've had two experiences of smelling roses. <laughs> People often say they smell roses. Uh, one was in Lisieux at the tomb of the uh, little flower, Saint Therese, and the other was in Knock at the shrine of Our Lady of Knock. Both of those are sacred spots because one Our Lady appeared in Knock in, I think it was 1789, and the other is um, the place where the, this great little saint, a great little saint, it's funny, she's a great little saint. Mm-hmm. She's big and she's little at the same time, St. Therese. And it wasn't just smelling roses, but it was, I lost my fear of death in 1997. We took our uh, young people from World Youth Day in Paris on a train at the Lisieux. When I sensed at the tomb of Therese that she was alive, she was speaking to me from beyond the grave with great joy and energy. I lo- I've never feared death since then. That's the faith that any kind of sensible miracle should accomplish in us. And there are places on earth where God has appointed we should make the effort to pilgrimage towards so that we can uh, receive greater faith. Father, let's go to the phones again. Kathy is calling in, listening in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to The Inner Life. Glad to have hi. you on the air. Oh, hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank, and hi, Father. Um, I just wanted to say, I was my brother and I were raised by our parents uh, Catholic. We went to Catholic school. And I was about 20, 21 when someone, uh, a person invited me to come to their church. And it wasn't, you know, it was just a Jesus kind of, it was a, a mainstream, not mainstream, but a real loose kind of just Bible teaching, you know. And I learned a lot, but um, I came back to the Catholic Church, and I had a miracle for myself, just me and another person. She had uh, she had a lot of something bad that really happened to her. She was crying, and uh, she had an, she told me she had an abortion, and she thought she was going to die. And she had, like, a medical problem. And I just said, well, let's just... Let's just pray and ask God. But before I did that, uh, after after we prayed together, just in her backyard, she, on her on her por- on her porch, um, uh, I said, "Well, you don't have to, you know, don't worry." I said, "Let's just let's just pray, ask God." And then after we asked God, uh, she started bawling even more. And I said, well, "What's happening to you?" And she said, "She said, uh, you know that." She felt, you know, the touch of God. And I'm like, well, that's great. Praise God, you know. But um, I came back to the Catholic Church, and, you know, about five years after that, four years. And now I've been, I'm married. My husband converted to Catholicism. Um, and it's just, you know, God is just, his plan for us is great. So not only big miracles, but tiny little miracles, you know. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Kathy, for that witness to faith, because uh, the miracles— they happen every day. We just don't see them. It's like here in California, we have a couple of little earthquakes every day. We don't feel them. Earthquakes of grace are happening all the time, and they're leading us inexorably towards heaven. That's the miracle. Father, you know, maybe we can also talk about, you, you mentioned being at the tomb of St. Therese, and in our last couple minutes here, can you talk maybe about 
the importance of asking for that intercession. Again, you know, we talked earlier about praying in community. Um, and a lot of times I think we would think, well, okay, I go to my family and friends that are here that are living, but being able to then turn to one of the saints or multiple saints, and Mm -hmm. then also the power of relics. Maybe you could talk about the importance of relics when we ask for that intercession. Relics like a place are very concrete. And so we Catholics... Um, understanding the sacredness of the human body and also the sacredness of all material creation, venerate relics. Obviously, we don't worship them, and we don't consider them magic. Magic is where you tell God what you want, you manipulate God. But a relic is asking for a favor that is, (coughs) excuse me, asking for some kind of grace through the intercession of uh, the person whose relic it is, but then accepting with joy whatever God sends. So really what I was praying before at Luzio were the relics of Therese, her bones. And sometimes these make their tour around the world. I remember they came here to San Francisco 30 years ago. Everybody was excited. And it was at that spot, it was in front of her grave that I was healed of my fear of death. So relics, we should have a few relics. Every altar is built on a relic. Canon law requires that an altar stone contain a relic of a martyr or at least some saint because of the sacredness of uh, all that is created. So yes, relics, uh, I think we all need to look into the, the rationale behind relics. We don't have a lot of time to discuss it now, but it's a curious thing about the Catholic Church that most Americans, I think, would say, even American Catholics would say, well, that's kind of weird. It's kind of morbid, morose. <laughs> right. But yeah. but I think look into it on your own. Uh, do a, do a book, uh, search on the Internet. There's a, a book uh, by uh, Kathleen Carol Cruz, I think, called uh, Miracle or Relics, I, I would recommend that one. Okay. Last name is Cruz, C-R-U-Z. Excellent. Well, and it's something that's scriptural. We even see that being done by St. Paul. He doesn't have time to go visit people. He passes around a handkerchief, and people are healed by simply being able to have that association with material that came from St. Paul. Uh, Father, we've got about 20 seconds. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? And the blessing of Almighty God through the intercession of Our Lady and all the saints bless all those who are listening in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, Father Ilo. Uh, always appreciate you taking time to be with us here on The Inner Life. Thanks to Nick Sentovich and to Thomas Engesser helping to produce the program. Thank you for listening. If you joined us late, make sure you get the full hour podcast. You can find it. It'll be posted here shortly at our website, relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. Mass starts coming up right now here on Relevant Radio. 